Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the IDP Show. I'm your host, Jace Abbey, and as usual, I'm going to be delving into my Week 11 IDP rankings, discussing the players I like and dislike at each position. Joining me in that undertaking today is a titan of the IDP community, NFL analyst and IDP writer at The Athletic, Football Guys, and Bleacher Report. And if that's not enough, he's a former winner of the FSWA Writer of the Year Award, twice, I believe. The godfather of IDP himself, Mr. Gary Davenport. Gary, that's an impressive list. As impressive as it is difficult to announce in, in one breath. How, how the hell are you, my friend? Oh, doing well. Glad to, glad to be here. Good stuff, good stuff. I mean, where do you, where do you find the time to create as much uh, content as you do? I, I know for my messages earlier on you don't get a lot of sleep um yeah that's pretty that, much it i just don't that's sleep. the secret is it <laughs> from you know about uh oh i don't know because the magazine work starts in may so i from say may to december i just don't sleep or ever see my family and i don't know for all i know they prefer it that way you know once <laughs> january rolls around i actually have some free time they kind of give me dirty these funny looks from time to time some Maybe it's better that I'm just down in the basement, you know, 14, 16 hours a day, banging away at a laptop. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of surprised to get a, to get a DM from you at what must, it was like mid to late morning, my time, which must've been, uh, God knows what time at your end. Um, well, look, you know, I probably appreciate you taking the time out from your, your, your busy schedule to, uh, to kick back with me and, uh, talk about some of these IDP rankings for, for week 11. Um, so to that end, let's, uh, let's kick things off by, talking about linebackers everyone's favorite position in idp um so yeah linebackers we like who are you featuring here who do you want to talk about in this spot you know i picked out a guy that's actually filling in for another guy who's hurt unfortunately i say unfortunately because i have nick bolton all over the place and probably won't get him back until the fantasy playoffs maybe stashed on my arm drew tranquil the Kansas City Chiefs going up against the Philadelphia Eagles in that titanic Monday night battle. The Eagles uh, are allowing the most tackle opportunities per game in the NFL. They're, I think, third in fantasy points per game allowed to the linebacker position. I think they're going to come out with DeAndre Swift to try to run the ball, try, kind of try to control the tempo of the game, try to keep that Kansas City offense off the field because Philly's defense – 
I mean, their pass rush is great. Their linebackers are good. That secondary has been a little suspect this year, and the Eagles know that as well as I do. So I think they're going to look to run the ball with DeAndre Swift, control tempo. I think it's going to be a lot of tackle opportunities, and Drew Tranquil should be on the field for every defensive snap. I've got him as my 10th-ranked linebacker. Yeah, I, I agree with this take, Gary. Um, the Chiefs, you know, they don't play a lot of zone coverage. That doesn't seem to really matter with a guy like uh, like Tranquil. Um, you know, he's had no fewer than seven tackles in every game where he's played more than 80% of the snaps. He's the clear number one there with uh, with Bolton out, as you say, uh, an every down guy. Um, and, you know, he brings that sort of big play potential um, too. So, yeah, it could be another big week for the Tranquil here in in a decent matchup against the against the Eagles. So the linebacker I want to mention here is uh, Elandon Roberts. He's my uh, LB26 this week, one behind Zach Cunningham and one ahead of Devondre Campbell. You know, the the Steelers have been decimated uh, at linebacker this year. First, you know, Cole Holcomb was lost to that knee injury. Two weeks later, Quan Alexander tore his Achilles. It's just been kind of brutal, hasn't it? So kind of by process of elimination, um, the keys have been handed to Elandon Roberts now. He played almost every down. Last week, almost doubling his highest snap share uh, of the year. Um, and he had a pretty productive day. Seven tackles on a pass breakup. Nice to see. There's just not a lot of competition left on, on the roster, really. There's Mark Robinson. Uh, he was a 2022 seventh round pick. 60% snap share last week after barely seeing any time at all in that defense all year. But to me, it looks like Roberts is going to be the guy for the foreseeable. We, we kind of know who Roberts is, don't we, at this point in his career. We, he plays sort of 600, 700 snaps per year in the last two years behind Jerome Baker in in Miami. And, you know, he's, he's not really the kind of guy you want to rely on too heavily if you're Terrell Austin. Um, he misses a bunch of tackles. He's pretty limited in coverage. It just doesn't really matter all that much in, in fantasy terms. Uh, we care more about a linebacker who's going to be just playing a ton. And Roberts should be a full-time guy going forward or near to it. And lastly, you know, it helps his week week eleven outlook. He's playing for the Brown, playing against the Browns. Sorry, and they're a pretty nice matchup for opposition linebackers. Any thoughts to add on this one, Gary? Yeah, I had Roberts as one of my you know other linebackers I like this week. Maybe I liked him a little more before the news came down today that Deshaun Watson was out for the season because I'm a little concerned about Cleveland's ability to sustain drives now because it looks like they're going to start Dorian Thompson-Robinson at quarterback this week, and the last time we saw him against the Baltimore Ravens, it was kind of a disaster. But even yep. so, and I, and it, it could be a good thing for the Steelers that Watson's not going to be there, because like you said, Roberts, not a great guy in coverage, not the rangiest linebacker in the world, but I don't know that those shortcomings will be as evident this week against Cleveland. you got to figure the Browns are going to lean heavily on Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt in that game, which should mean quite a few tackle opportunities. Yeah, I think Roberts, I, LB26 is closer to his floor this week than his ceiling. Yep, yep. So uh, give me your uh, your quick hitters, a uh, quick rundown of any other linebackers you like for, for week 11. Well, like I said, I, Roberts was on there. Uh, mm-hmm. My guy, Aziz Alshair of the Tennessee Titans, who – I feel like I have to say something good about Aziz Alshair every I've been doing it like every week since like March. I've been talking him up. So I feel I feel obligated to talk him up again. It's got a good matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars team that should be angry after getting tub thumped by the San Francisco 49ers. 
And another guy that's been forced into action by an injury, Ivan Pace, the undrafted rookie for the Minnesota Vikings. And Jordan Hicks, Jordan Hicks is going to be out indefinitely after having surgery on his leg. <laughs> kind of puts Pace into a similar situation as what we see with Landon Roberts. You know, Pace has his limitations. Pace has his issues. But Pace is what they have left. I mean, they re-signed Anthony Barr off the street, but this is a new regime, new defense. Four days later, he's not going to pull a Josh Dobbs and go out there and lead Minnesota to victory. So, And the Vikings are going up against the Denver Broncos team that leads the league in fantasy points about the linebackers. So I think Ivan Pace, like Roberts, is a guy who, in some shallower IDP leagues, probably going to be available on your waiver wire. Would make for a fine spot start. Yeah, yeah, a good list. Uh, I had uh, I had pace on my list, un- unsurprisingly. Um, uh, you, you touched on it there, but I think some of these reports about how how much of an impact Bar could make are kind of being overstated slightly because, um, as, again, as you pointed out, as a, as a new DC in town there, this isn't the same scheme that he played in uh, in his time previously with the Vikings. So, uh, yeah, and, and obviously you're still on the practice squad for, for week 11, um, or so it seems. So, yeah. They're making positive noise about about pace. Um, it, it seems like it should be should be him in week eleven and and maybe beyond. I'm I'm kind of excited to see how it all unfolds. Obviously, he looked great in in preseason and in those first couple of games of the year, but then it's it's kind of tailed away since, um, along with his, his his snap share. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how he looks. Um, certainly in, in dynasty leagues, but but also yeah in in those redraft leagues for week eleven. Um, so yeah, he was on my list. Next guy I had up there was Zach Zach Cunningham. Um, no great surprise to see him return to a to an every down role with uh, Nicobe Dean out. This was in week nine, wasn't it? Because they had a buy in week ten. He's had the lead over Nicholas Morrow there since since about week five, week six, and I can see that continuing this week against the against the Chiefs. Uh, and finally, um, Jameen Davis. Um, he's kind of stepped up in a big way, I think, in the absence of. Of Cody Barton, um, he started actually. He actually he started quite slowly in his first game without Barton, but in his last two, he's got twenty tackles and a pass breakup. Um, so yeah, he's kind of trending trending in the right direction for me. So those those three guys for me, kind of like those as well. No, all quality start. And you just rattled off like a list of linebackers that I have all like on one team. I had Hicks, I had Barton, I had Nicobe uh, Dean. So my linebacker core now is essentially trash. And I'm looking at, you know, I'm rolling out umpteen safeties every week in the league. I was, I think, six and two. Now I'm six and four. And I'm gonna, just going to try and drag that team kicking and screaming into the playoffs. I hope. <laughs> I've got a team that's not too dissimilar. Well, I've got like uh, one team I'm, I'm pretty much streaming linebackers, which is which is brave for a 16 team uh, league, which starts four linebackers. I, I'm doing okay, though. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of guys, or one, at least one guy every week, it seems, who uh, who's who's on the waivers, who was off everyone's radar the week before, but because of either an injury or just uh, just them trending in the right direction, it seems to have been that sort of year, doesn't it? No, absolutely. Yeah, it's been the kind of year where you look at Josh Woods and you're like, well, you know, Josh Woods isn't <laughs> that bad. It could it could work. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Between between Josh Woods, uh, Isaiah McDuffie. I think, and who's the third guy? I can't remember the third guy. Those those oh. three have kind of kind of saved me at times. It's been it's been great. Jack Gibbons is the other one as well. Yeah, throw some Micah McFadden in there, maybe a smattering yeah. of Derek Barnes if you're really desperate. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I've scraped the barrel. I've scraped the stuff that's under the stuff when you scrape the barrel. <laughs> um, so look, let's let's talk about the uh, the linebackers we we don't like uh, for week eleven. Who do you want to talk about here? You know, I he's having a great year, so I don't want to say that I don't like him. I just don't like the matchup. It's Patrick Queen of the Baltimore Ravens, who I have at LB thirty one this week. Bengals are dead last in fantasy points per game. Allow the linebackers for 25th in the league in tackle opportunities allowed per game. I My hope was that once Joe Burrow got healthy, that we would kind of see that trend. Because the Bengals the last two, three years were usually a really good matchup for linebackers. They were top 10, if not top five. It's just not happening this year for whatever reason. You know, Joe Mixon has been okay, but not great. When the Bengals do throw the ball, it seems to be outside the numbers a lot more often than over the middle. You know, they're going out to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase instead of inside to guys like Irv Smith and Tyler Boyd. And I think it's just the, the opportunities aren't there. I don't love I don't love Roquan Smith this week either, but I can't I can't say I don't like Roquan Smith. I'm just not allowed to say that. And Roquan's. Roquan's always got that big play potential. There's always a chance that he could get a sack or an interceptor pass or do something Roquan-y that just yep. can save that, you know, six or seven tackle line, which for him is no good. I mean, I think last week against Cleveland, he had 21 stops. But Queen this week, I mean, I, I know he's like a top 15 guy for the season in fantasy points in most scoring systems. But this week, I think he's more, you know, mid-range LB3 than I am LB3. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the call. I've, I've got to be careful here because the last time I called out uh, Patrick Green, he went on to to produce something like 11, 12 tackles. So, um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, uh, as with a lot of these these linebackers who, who blitz so often, is he's a kind of a, a boom or bust guy, uh, isn't he? He's it feels like this is a bust week because of that that poor matchup, as you said. He's a he's he's kind of a danger to produce or, or rescue his. His fantasy managers in any given week with with a sack, uh, and that Bengals O line has allowed a fair amount of pressure in in recent games. But I think banking on a sack is is risky business. So we're kind of in sync on on this one. I probably haven't ranked a little too highly this week based on the based on what I've just said there. So it's it's one I might revisit and and adjust him down a little bit. I forget where I've got him ranked, but it's it's definitely higher than uh, than where you, where you have him ranked. So the guy I'm, I'm nominating here is uh, Josie Jewell. Don't like him this week or potentially for the rest of the season. He's, he's my LB44 this week, one behind uh, Christian Harris, um, which, you know, says, says a lot. Yeah, it tells you. One ahead of uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. It kind of it saddens me to admit it with, uh, with Jewell. As I, I, I kind of expected him to, to be a lot better this year. You know, as you know, the sadly the Broncos are being less reliant on a second linebacker this year under under Vance Joseph, and as Jewel has been playing behind Singleton all year, it means his production's taken a hit. I think I should have seen this coming. Joseph's not been a a big proponent of a two linebacker scheme. Uh, that was neither the case with the Broncos during his first stint, nor with the Cardinals last year. Is 61% snap share was a, a I think a new a new season low or very close to it. I just I can't see the Broncos changing their scheme or approach going forward because what they've been doing has been working out pretty well in in the last few games, right? Um, so yeah, there's just not a lot to like about this situation with him. It just seems to be trending in the wrong direction. Um, are you are you holding out any hope for Jewel, Gary? Not I'm being really. Too harsh? And like you said, I think we should have 
saw that I, we, we should have seen this coming. But I think we got a little bit too caught up in, you know, last year, Josie Jewell had scored more fantasy points per game than any linebacker in football. And I think we saw that number. And, you know, you know how we get, we start salivating a little bit. And we're like, okay, yeah, 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 he's going to be great in 2023. And he's just taking a clear backseat to Alex Singleton in Joseph's defense. Like you said, a 61% snap share, that's just not – you don't want to be rolling out 61% guys in your starting lineup. I mean, it's not to say there won't be weeks that it will pay off because there are weeks where guys with 45% snap shares go out there and put up a dozen tackles just to drive IDP pundits crazy. But the odds are definitely not in your favor. So, no, I totally agree. Jules not a guy – I don't know that I have many shares of Jewel this year, which is just, just kind of the luck of the draw. But if I did, he would be a guy that I would. If I'm starting him, it's because I'm, I don't have any other options. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe one for, is it week 14 when we got six teams on a buy again? Um, 13 is you know, the second by pocket. 13. Yeah. Well, if it's, if it's, you know, maybe in that sort of week, that's when I could. Uh, in deeper leagues, where I'm starting four linebackers, uh, three linebackers, even maybe at a push, maybe he could creep into my lineup again. But yeah, that sort of 60, 61% level, that's that's not something to get too excited about. Um, so, any quick hitters you want to mention at the linebacker position for week 11 who you're fading this week? You know, these are all just kind of matchup based. I'm not crazy mm-hmm. about Devondre Campbell. The Packers going up against the Chargers haven't given up many fantasy points. Linebackers and Campbell's coming off a dud last week against Pittsburgh. Uh, Eric Kendricks, the flip side of the same game. It's just a bad matchup. And Kendricks has been out. This, no, this I definitely didn't see coming this year. Kendricks has been outshined by Kenneth Murray in Los Angeles this year. He just had. Murray's playing more, playing more snaps and putting up better numbers. And Divine Diablo, you could probably say the same about Robert Spillane for the Las Vegas Raiders going up against the Miami Dolphins team that unsurprisingly does not give up a lot of fantasy points to linebackers because it only takes them three plays to score every drive. Yeah, uh, that that Kendricks one is is one that uh, that hurts. I hurt me quite a bit in a few leagues. I, I fully expected him to come in and be that every down guy, and he was, wasn't he, for like one one and a half games before he got injured. Um, but yeah, since, since he got back, it's been it's been Murray leading the way most weeks. And I thought maybe they were easing Kendricks in. It got a bit close there between the two in terms of snap share. But you know, it, it, he's maintained that lead over Kendricks all year, and it's 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 sad to see. I was kind of encouraged with how Kendricks was playing until until last week. The Lions just exposed him in coverage, especially, but. That probably applies to the whole the whole defense, with maybe the exception yeah, of, of, of Derwin James. So. That Chargers defense is not. Good. As a Chargers fan, it was it was it was both frustrating and exciting to watch because it was just <laughs> score after score after score. It was just going to be a case of who who scores who scores last, who who runs out of time. Yeah, for me, uh, I'm not super keen on what's happening uh, with the Cowboys linebackers. Uh, after last week, um, especially as it involves me eating humble pie on Marquise Bell, who I kind of got very excited about for about a week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Damone Clark was caught up in that as well. Uh, you know, the arrival of Rashawn Evans. Well, not really the arrival because he's been there for a little while, hasn't he? But really them them giving him more run. Now, I know they were ahead by a lot early. So a lot of the the starters didn't play as many snaps as they normally would, but I've just got this 
this sneaky suspicion that Evans is going to be uh, involved a little more going forward and certainly enough to hurt or certainly cap the value of Clark and, and Bell going forward. Not something I'm super confident in, but I've just, as I say, got this sneaky suspicion that that might happen. Um, my other guy was Divine Diablo um, for the the same same reasons you mentioned. Um, returned to the lineup after a couple of games uh, missed with an ankle injury, but his, his role was quite a bit smaller than it was earlier in the year. They might have been easing him back in again, but even if he plays a bigger role this week, I don't like his matchup against the, the Dolphins. They've been pretty stingy as far as opposition linebackers are concerned. I also see he's on... He's on the injury list uh, again this week, listed as questionable. So that's that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, and Miami, everything with Miami goes to the perimeter. You're not, yeah. you're not getting that middle of the field where your inside linebackers are going to clean up with regularity. Not that linebackers never make plays on the sideline. Of course they do. But uh, Miami just spreads everything as speed and going around the edge and <clears throat> touchdowns and two plays. It's just not – a not a team you want to target with linebackers. I'm pretty much any linebacker. I, you know, in a vacuum, I like Diablo just fine. I love Spillane. It's just not a good week for him. I say that as a Spillane, a guy with a lot of shares of Spillane, who will be starting him this week because I don't have, you know, better options available, but I'm not doing so with any real confidence. I think I expect he's going to come in below average. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, our fantasy teams sound very similar. Um, or maybe that's maybe that's because as we were talking about pre-show, we're just in way too many leagues. So we've just got a little bit of everyone. I don't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk some defensive linemen who we like for week eleven. Um, Gary, who do you want to uh, to feature here first? Now my guy comes with an asterisk because he's going to have to get out of the concussion protocol, which I really hope he does because this matchup is so good. It's Kayvon Thibodeau of the New York Giants. Manders have allowed the second most sacks in the league, 47, I believe. Third most fantasy points per game to defensive ends. I mean, I cannot imagine if he plays that he does not get to Sam Howell at least one. Between the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders, they have allowed this year, I believe, 104 sacks. So if ever there was a game to be targeting edge rushers or tackles or whoever, anyone that rushes the quarterback, safety, Nacho Vendor, whoever is going to get Tommy, Danny DeVito, and Sam Howe are both going to have rough days running from the opposing pass rushers. Very true. Very true. I'd add the Jets to that list as well, just lately. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, maybe more because of injury on the offensive line than than the other two. But, yeah, those those two or three teams have been, yeah, just great to target with uh, with edge rushers and um, those those linebackers that blitz often. You know, in general, I'm a little bit cooler on uh, Thibodeau than than most. Um, but yeah, nine nine sacks is, is hard to argue with, even if five of them have come against pretty dreadful offensive line. But therein lies lies your point, right? The, the commander's offensive line has been terrible outside of uh, Charles Leno. And, uh, and Howell hasn't helped himself. He's been one of the worst QBs. Uh, in terms of evading pressure when it does come his way, um, but yeah, I, I like the call here. I like I like the idea that Thibodeau can can break out of. It's probably a bit cruel to call it a mini slump um, after just a, what, one or two games, but uh, yeah, this is this is the week to target, and let's let's hope he can uh, he can suit up. 
So, so my choice here is is Josh Allen. He's my edge and DL seven this week. One behind Nick Bosa and one ahead of Trey Hendrickson. I I just really like Allen. Um, I know some of his production has come in bunches this year, but I've I've really enjoyed watching his uh, sort of progression as a pass rusher. Um, and he's he's having a, a career year. His pressure rate and win rate are, are both way up. In fact, his win rate is second in the league only to Rashawn Gary. Um, and of course, you know, the sack numbers have, have followed. Um, you, now, I mentioned him as a, uh, I mentioned him as a fade last week because I didn't like his matchup against Trent Williams and the, and the 49ers, but he still had some success. Didn't get a sack, didn't get home, but he did have five, five uh, pressures, you know, a QB hit and four hurries. So that was nice to see. This week, Allen's matchup is really nice. Um, this isn't a team that's as bad as one of the guys we were just mentioning, the, you know, the Washingtons, the Giants, uh, the Jets of late, but the, the Titans, uh, certainly at this spot on the offensive line. So Andre Dillard, he's been one of, if not the worst offensive tackle in the league this year, fighting maybe Mike McGlinchey for that, for that honor. Um, and he's in the concussion protocol. When he's missed time, uh, as he may do this week, Nicholas Nicholas Petit Frere has stepped in. He also has looked terrible. And yeah, he's going to miss this week because he's on IR. And when he's missed time, uh, Dylan Radance has stepped in and looked absolutely dreadful, as we saw last week, maybe playing that position a little bit harsh on him. So it's for me, it's advantage, Alan, here in week 11 by, by a wide margin. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Gary? Oh, I... Certainly can't disagree. And like you said, if Allen has a big game, you know, Allen's a guy that can go out there and we've seen it, what, twice? I think he's got two, three sack games this year. You know, he gets out there and posts three sacks. That's a weak winner for you. And the Tennessee offensive line is, like you said, bad. And you've got a rookie quarterback making what is this will be his fourth career start. Rookie quarterbacks tend to hold the ball a little bit longer than they probably should. So you add that all together. Oh, yeah, I think Josh Allen's easily a top 10. Yep. Yep. The only hope, I think, well, the only consideration that he might not have a huge game is that the Titans must know how terrible they are at that spot right now. Um, it's, it's obvious to everybody else. So it must be obvious to them. So they must they must be intending on giving whoever starts in that spot a lot of help from uh, from the tight end spot, Wiley, and maybe some of the running backs in there as well. Because, yeah, that, that otherwise they know they're going to get <laughs> going to get beaten to a pulp by by Allen and co. Um, so yeah, let's see what happens. Uh, are there any other defensive linemen you want to mention in the quick hitter section who uh, you, know, you like for week 11? Quick hits. I mentioned F.A. Obata of the Washington Commanders. I did. To, I had to go look at the depth chart to see who was starting on the edge <laughs> for the Washington Commanders because they traded Montez Sweat to Chase Youngway. But Obata would play the most snaps of any edge rushers in Washington this past week. So like I said, I, I Giants have given up, I think, 57 sacks or some ridiculous number. And Tommy DeVito, it's not Danny DeVito, it's Tommy DeVito. Any NFL quarterback who lives with his parents should be ridiculed. So I'm going to go ahead and just keep calling him Danny. Greg Russo of the Bills, like you said, Jets offensive line, bad. So any of those pass rushers for the Bills, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Russo, A.J. Epinesa, who had a sack and a half this past Monday night. Start him if you got him where the Buffalo edge rushers are concerned. And Alex Highsmith of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this was before Deshaun Watson got hurt. The Browns have some injuries at defensive tackle, and Highsmith is 
an underrated talent. I think that people would give him a lot more run was he not were he not playing opposite TJ Watt. And Highsmith had a great year last year, and most of the time Watt was not there. Now that it's going to be Thompson Robinson, I think he was sacked four times by the Ravens in his first start of the year and just constantly pressured and he turtled. At the first sign of pressure, he would just he would like pirouette and turn around and start running backwards, which as a Browns fan made me a little crazy. So I, I it's going to be a bad day for the Browns, I think, all around Sunday. Unfortunately, I knew as soon as they hit six and three, huge win over the Ravens. Happiness in Cleveland. Happiness is not allowed. In, I've been a Browns fan for 40 years. We're not allowed to be happy. So I knew something bad was going to happen, and it did. Uh, are, you, are you allowed to be content at least? No. Miserable. No? Yeah, okay. Miserable. Okay. Just miserable. <laughs> just miserable. Um, yeah, I just want to touch on Alex Alex Highsmith. You, you, you mentioned him being underrated, and I was one of those people that probably underrated him um, coming into this year. I certainly didn't expect him to play as well as he has this year. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've been really impressed with, with what I've seen. He He's one of those guys, he passes the eye test for me, which is an important one, uh, not pretending that uh, I know more than anybody else, but – when I watch a when I watch a game, I want to see that guy play really well. Um, so the Steelers games that I watch, he he does he does pop, he does stand out. Um, and I really like these guys that that show that kind of progression from year to year, steady progression, continual progression. Um, the the Josh Sweat types, you know, the the Josh Allen um, to mention him again types. Those guys that every year seem to get just a little better. Um, it's it's nice to see. And like you say, that matchup works in his favor too. Um, no, no, Deshaun Watson, as you said, they're hurting at tackle with Conklin and, and Wills, and maybe Dewan Jones missing as well in this game. So, yeah, nice, nice list. I like that. And the Effie Abada one as well. Good, good call there. He's he's probably been the most productive of the remaining edge rushers on that roster um, over the last couple of years. And yeah, any any quarterback whose whose mom still makes his bed is is deserve, <laughs> deserving of spending most of the game on his back. So I, I'm looking forward to how that happening. <laughs> um, so yeah, my my short list. Um, it's it's maybe get a little early to get too excited about this one, but I'm I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing from Adafe Owe. Um, certainly, what he's starting to show us anyway. The raw numbers look a little underwhelming. Um, he's only got three sacks, 20, 25 pressures, but you know, he missed four games, so that kind of accounts for some of that. And like like Alan, who I mentioned earlier, um, with uh, with away his his pass, uh, sorry, his pass rush win rate and his pressure rate are both both way up on what we've seen before. Um, and yeah, like I say, he passes passes the eye test. He looks disruptive when you watch him play. Um, whether he's getting sacks or I think he forced a fumble the other day, that 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 kind of popped as well. So. Yeah, I like I like what I'm seeing from OA, and I'm interested and intrigued to see whether that that continues. Jonathan Allen is uh, is my next choice. He's been a bit underwhelming this year, um, but that that gi- Giants O line and, and Devito, like you say, they've allowed they've allowed a bunch of sacks, eleven in the last two weeks. Um, that's more than um, I think Patrick Mahomes has been sacked all year. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, someone on this on this Washington D line stands to benefit. And I think in the absence of Chase Young and Montez Sweat, Allen is is one of the best bets remaining. It certainly seems unlikely to be uh, Deron Payne on the basis of what we what we've seen this year. So yeah, Allen for me could have uh, could have one of his biggest weeks of the season if uh, if he plays as well as we know he can. 
I hope so, because I've got Allen and a couple defensive tackle required leagues, and I've been waiting all damn year for him to do something. <laughs> and if you if you can't get it done against the Giants, it's not going to happen. That's a problem. I don't even know what what their pace would be. I mean, they've got to be threatening the all-time record for sacks allowed in the season. I know it was the uh, – I don't know what the number is, but I know it was the expansion Texas with uh, David Carr. I think it was 80 – I want to say it was 86 is the most sacks ah. that have ever been allowed in the season. And, I didn't know that. And they're they've on pace to shatter that mark, I think. Oh, yeah, that's what wrecked David Carr's career was that first year in Houston. He spent so much time on his back that he just started hearing footsteps. And, and it got in his head that, you know, he dropped back and immediately just start looking around like I'm going to die whether there was a pass rusher there or not. And it just, that first year rattled him so badly that I think it just, his confidence was shot after that. Although, you know, he landed on his feet. TV, TV, that got that easy TV money now. So. Yeah. When you got, you know, when you've got perfect hair, this is, uh, this is, yeah. <laughs> He's a handsome fellow. Damn him. Um, but yeah, yeah. What was the record, did you say? 80. I think it was 86. It's 80. It's in the high. It's between 85 and 90. Under 90, yeah. but I think above 85. Right. I think Washington are at like 47, 48. Yeah. Now, so that's. And I think that's the Giants the- are at 57. Like, and like you said, the Giants were bad before DeVito took over. They were already giving up. So that's how mm-hmm. Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor wound up dead. Was yeah. <laughs> the offensive line is awful. That's why they're on their third quarterback. The first two are dead. <laughs> I don't know what yeah, they're going to do if DeVito gets they well yeah they've got Matt Barkley now so that should be interesting when they trot him out there so, so I'm, I'm waiting for the Browns I'm waiting for the Browns to sign Colt McCoy just so I can throw things at my television set <laughs> I I kind of want it to happen now just so I can I can hear a rant from you so just Twitter. so I can have to hear Colt McCoy's damn name again. When the Browns <laughs> took him in the first round, you don't even, oh, my God. And they traded up to do it. And as soon as – this is, you know, years ago in the NFL draft. As soon as I hear the Cleveland Browns have traded into the, like, the 21st or 22nd slot, I would immediately just enrage because I knew they had done it to draft Colt Dan McCoy and <laughs> knew he wasn't going to be anything in the pros, and I was right on both counts. Like I said – Browns fan, nothing but misery and rage and hopes and dreams being crushed. I don't know, but I can't stop rooting for him. I'm stuck. Hey, this it's good. How many TVs have you gone through over the years? <laughs> A few. <laughs> it's not the TVs that I break because my aim's not very good. So usually when I chuck the remote at the TV, I miss the TV and the remote hits the wall. And then at least I only need the remote control. So. Luckily, you know, we have Amazon now, so you can order a universal remote the next day. No problem. I've got visions of you, like, buying a new Amazon remote, like, every weekend, uh, every, <laughs> every I, Sunday I just keep, night. Just keep three or four in a box behind the television. So, <laughs> you know, you want to have that spare so that you don't have to wait the day until it's delivered. Oh, for sure. You just got a big skip outside your house, just full of broken TV remotes and TVs. Um so let's uh, uh, let's talk about some of the D linemen who we don't like this week. Um, who are you fading in week 11? And, and oh, why? I hate to say this, and I don't know that I'm fading in the leagues where I have him. You almost have to start him. But I've got Nick Bosa at the back end of the top 10. 
at DL10, which is about as low as you'll ever see me rank Nick Bosa. Bucks are 30th in the league in fantasy points per game allowed to defense defensive end. Baker Mayfield has only been sacked 15 times this season. Yeah, it was great to see Bosa last week get that sack and a half because I'm rather over getting 14 instant deep, <laughs> getting 14 DMs every week asking what's wrong with Nick Bosa. What's going on with Nick Bosa? Is Nick Bosa ever going to turn it on? Should I drop Nick Bosa for filling whatever defense, whatever edge rusher had two and a half sacks the week before? And the yeah. answer is always no, he'll be fine. He's Nick Bosa. This just happens with edge rushers. Sometimes they go through dry spells. So it was good to see him get off the skid, Nick, last week. I, I don't expect him to have a sack this week. So here it's going to come again. You know, oh, is Nick Bosa been, Nick Bosa's overrated. Nick Bosa this, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa's fine. It's just a bad matchup. And even the best edge rushers can go through. Well, I went through this because I think Miles Garrett didn't have a sack the first two games of the season this year. And people are asking me, what's wrong with Miles Garrett? And I'm like, are you serious? Are you really, are you genuinely asking me if something is wrong with Miles Garrett? No, he's fine. And then week three, I think he had like two and a half sacks. And now he's tied for the league lead with 11 and could win defensive player of the year. It's just the nature of the position. Unless your league scores for, you know, QB hits and hurries and stuff like mm-hmm. that, unless they get home, you don't get points. And the difference between getting home and the difference between a hurry and a sack or a knockdown in a sack is literally the blink of an eye. And the sacks aren't indicative, aren't necessarily indicative of how well an air grocer is playing. And it's hard to get people to understand that. I mean, we know that. You know, we know, like you said, pressure rates, win rates, and that's how you can tell when an edge rusher is playing well or not playing well, how he's affecting the opposing offense. You know, all anybody wants is sacks, and unfortunately, I don't know. It pains me to say that about one of the tribes of the Ohio State University, but I think that's going to have a little bit of a slow week. Yeah, I, I'm all for, for gutsy calls. Um, so... Uh... Yeah, maybe maybe those people contacted you. Just we, we were spoiled last year. He was so consistent in in that sack column. Anyway, um, he he had like what like two games all year where he didn't register at least half a sack. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, I like the gutsy call, Gary. I mean, some some would shy away from naming one of the top players at the position among their dislikes here. Um, but you make a good case. You know, Tristan Wirfs is as a good a pass blocking offensive tackle as, as there as you can get in the league. And um Luke um Gudica as well, he's he's looked like a totally different guy this year. So if any team can slow slow Bosa down, um it could or at least should be the the Bucks on on paper. Um the only potential spanner in, in the works in terms of that argument, I think, is is that I saw Gudica is is questionable. Um, so my list starts with uh, with what might be it's not as bold as yours, but it might be an unpopular choice still uh, in uh, Tuli uh, Tui Pelotu. Um, he's he's dropped out of my rankings altogether for week week eleven. Um, I know he's been productive with those uh, with those seven sacks, but he's he's been handed a much larger role than he would have done uh, in the absence of Joey Bosa. Um, but Bosa's much healthier now and was given a much larger role last week uh, or much larger than he's seen in the previous four or five weeks since he returned to the lineup anyway. Um, clearly they were easing him back in. Uh, and we're waiting until he was fully healthy before really 
kind of unleashing him. And, and by contrast, um, to Pelotu's snap share dropped by like 24, 25% to, to just under, I think it was 39 or maybe 38%, um, which is pretty, pretty poor. The lowest he's had, had since the season opener. His stat line obviously suffered, um, finished with just one QB hurry and an assisted tackle. And I think that's just going to be a sign of things to come. He's going to find it really hard to, to remain anywhere near as productive as, as he's been so far this season when he's just playing so so little. It takes one good or one very lucky play to make a to make these make these uh, sort of predictions look stupid. But yeah, not not keen on Tui Peloto. What what say you, Mister Mister Davenport? Anything? Oh, no, I don't think on? he. I don't think he's startable anymore now that Bosa. Yep. It looks like he's fully healthy. It's Bosa and Max. And like you said, he's mixing in, what, 30-something percent. It's awfully hard to trust a guy who's playing less than 40% of the snaps. You're rolling the dice. Like you said, you're going to have to get lucky that he's going to get home in one of those. And I an average matchup. No. I mean, it was fun while it lasted with Tool. But it's the, the sometimes in IDP, the party ends, and you just have to go home. And now the party is over at Tool. It is. It is. Um, so do you have your eye on any other defensive linemen you're fading um, or not keen on this week? You know, I'm not crazy about Josh Sweat going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes just does not get sacked. I wasn't going to put Hassan because Hassan Reddick, speaking of guys who everyone was like, oh my God, what's wrong with Hassan Reddick? Because <laughs> he went like five games without a sack and then had like six in two or three games. I, Reddick, I'm not going to fade, but Josh Sweat, would be low end DL two would be I think is the optimistic side of projection for him against the Chiefs. Not crazy about Quentin Williams against Buffalo, which just continues what has been just a. I had Quentin Williams as my top rated defensive tackle entering the season, and I still don't quite know. I mean, I know that his level of play has been higher than the stats indicate, but all we care about again is stats, and his stats this year have sucked. So it's been disappointing to say the least. And Brian Burns of the Carolina Panthers, assuming that he plays going up against a Dallas Cowboys team that's playing with the offensive line is playing well. Dak Prescott is playing lights out football right now. Is not <laughs> He's not getting hit much, much less getting sacked much. So, you know, Burns is another guy that odds are if you have him, you're going to have him in your lineup. But that's temper expectations. I don't know that I expect a whole lot from him in Charlotte this week in a game that Again, you wonder in the second half how much the Cowboys are even going to be throwing the ball because I have a feeling they will be playing from ahead. Yeah, yeah, you're right on that one. And uh, yeah, even even with Burns, uh, he practiced fully today. So even even with that uh, that confidence that he's going to be suiting up, like you say, it's not a great matchup for for him and the Panthers. Quinn and Williams, yeah, he's. I obviously agree with that one because he's also on my list. Um, some might say it's a bit of a risky call, even though the stats haven't been quite there. He's he's continued to bring plenty of pressure, and, and he got obviously he got his first sack of the the year last week. I just don't think this is his week. Um, like you say, the Bills have allowed very few sacks, um, and they typically don't allow a lot of tackles to defensive tackles either. So it's not like um, Quinnen's got a great matchup in that sense. Like he can make up for uh, yeah, a lack of sacks with, uh, with 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 tackle production. So Montez Sweat is my next guy. Um, purely a matchup concern as the, the Bears go up against the, the Lions this week. Firstly, the Lions haven't given up uh, any sacks in the last two games, um, despite facing some pretty 
good competition over that period. I think Max Crosby, obviously Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, um, none of them, none of them managed to, to to bring down Goff. Sweat has played the the vast majority of his snaps on that left edge, meaning he'll see plenty of uh, Pinai Sewell. Uh, and he's only allowed. Uh, I had to. I did a double take when I saw this um, the other day. But he's only allowed five pressures and zero sacks all year, which is pretty wow. pretty damn incredible. Um, and I guess secondly, yeah, I don't. I don't think the game script is going to work in uh, in 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 sweat or the Bears' favor. I think. I think Fields is playing now, isn't he? Uh, I saw in a report earlier today. He's but- expected to play, is what I saw. Even so, I mean, I, I, against the Lions team. Like 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 the one we saw last week, they're going to be scoring for fun, I think. And yeah, I I think they'll be running a lot with or running the ball a lot with Gibbs and, and Montgomery. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Montez Sweat there. So yeah, he's a guy that I'm fading this week. Yeah, it's it's, it's been kind of a rough year to be a Sweat owner because he had a, a really good first half, and you're like, okay, yeah, I think he if anything he exceeded expectations. But then he mm-hmm. those midseason trades just kill a guy because you know he. <laughs> Got to adjust to a new team, and generally speaking, they'll ease him in that first week or two. Although Sweat's kind of just been thrown into the defense, but mm-hmm. it's it, it, it's been a while since we saw a nice stat line from Montez, and I, it might be a little longer until we get that nice stat line from Montez. I, not that he cares. I mean, after that contract extension he got from Chicago, I'm pretty sure he's just fine with relocating to the Midwest. <laughs> Ninety-eight million dollars will do that for you. Yeah, I mean, I know I would. I'll move anywhere you want me to for $98 million. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I'd, I'd uh... live in Florida for $98 million, and it might take that. <laughs> not, 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 not a Florida fan then, no? No, I've been to Florida too many times to be a Florida Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I've only been there once, so i uh, probably not the best uh, best person to uh, to judge. Um but look, let's uh, let's move on to defensive backs. Let's discuss some uh, some safeties and corners. Who who do you think is a good play at the position this week, Gary? You know, this is a little bit of a gut call, and I don't know if it's because this is a guy that I've always been kind of partial to. I think this is the week that Kevin Byard of the Philadelphia Eagles kind of shows why the Eagles went out and got him. This is the week he makes a big impact in a huge game against the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl rematch. Chiefs are sixth in fantasy points per game allowed to defensive backs. You know, he's going to be patrolling that middle of the field, which means he's probably going to see a fair amount of Travis Kelsey. I've always liked Byard's ability to combine decent tackle numbers and occasionally make that big play, get that takeaway. <clears throat> I want to go ahead and just call it and say that he's going to intercept Packers Mahomes this week. I, I, I can't guarantee that that will happen, but I do expect Kevin Byard. I had Kevin Byard as a top 10 defensive back entering the season. I have him as a top 10 defensive back this week. Like I said, I think this is this is the week that he's going to show Eagles fans and sports fans as a whole why Philly was so wise, to which I did. I thought that was a great trade for the Eagles because they gave up a bag of Funyuns and a six-pack of Guinness to get him. <laughs> So I, I think this is the week that he really kind of comes into his own as an eagle. Yeah, yeah. Just just to be clear, was the Terrell Edmonds part of it? Was he the Funyuns or the or the Guinness? Which part? <laughs> he was the Funyuns. Honestly. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm like you, man. I, I love this trade for the uh, for the Eagles. Um, always, always been uh, been a Bayard fan. Like you say, he's always a danger to come come out of the season with like what five interceptions. He must have done that a bunch of times now. Um, and it is encouraging to see the the Eagles utilize him in a in a way in a similar way to how the the Titans did. Um, you know, it would be silly for them not to really, given that he's been so productive in that role uh, over for such a long period of time. Um, you know, the, the tackle volume has been been quite nice this year. The big plays, those interceptions that we speak of, they haven't been there. But yeah, maybe this is the week. You heard it here first. Gary has called it and said that uh, Kevin Bayard will definitely intercept Patrick Mahomes this week. So if it doesn't happen, then uh, then come for Gary, most definitely. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> they come for me anyway, so why <laughs> Just yeah, mob mob forms to the right. The pitchforks and the torches. There will be a nice pile. They'll be labeled for everyone. So there, those nice boxes of tomatoes to fling at me. Yeah, it's fine. You'll be like, damn, Jace is just yeah. He's he's definitely contributed to the to the to the to the volume of the mob that's coming my way this week. Um, so my guy is uh, Jaquan Brisker. He's my featured guy this week. Uh, he's my safety. And DB10, one behind Rudy Ford and one ahead of Josh Metellus. Um, you know, Brisker started the season, yeah, started the season pretty well. Um, had a bit of a lull before the injury, but has been been kind of on fire the last two or three games. Um, in his last three games, he's got 26 tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, and a pass breakup. And that's that's a pretty nice return for a for a DB. But there's more to this nomination than, than current form. He's he's got a nice a nice matchup against the Lions this week. I think they come into to week ten allowing one of the highest tackle rates to opposition safeties. We saw Derwin James and Alohi Gilman combine for eighteen tackles on uh, last weekend and and two pass breakups as well. So I think I think Brisk has got a good chance to extend his hot streak against Goff. And co this weekend. Um, where's your head at on this one, Gary? No, I agree 100. percent We're we're seeing the Brisker that we thought or we hoped we were going to see before the season. Mm-hmm. And I think Brisker was probably, if not in the majority of top tens, I don't think he was outside the top 12 on many preseason ranking lists. And then obviously he got injured, and <clears throat> but now he's. He, He's done a much better job of backing up his rookie numbers to this point than Jalen Petrie has, whereas Petrie has disappointed somewhat, although I think that has a lot to do with the change in defensive scheme in Houston. Brisker, now that he seems to be rounding back into form, like, ah, ah, there's the Jaquan Brisker that I thought I was drafting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so any other DBs you like for Week 11, Gary? Uh, I like Trayvon Merrick. Of the Las Vegas Raiders against the Miami Dolphins. Obviously, the Dolphins are a team that tends to keep opposing defensive backs happy. Morg is having a career year. Tackle numbers are up. Nice big play mix. Has been far more productive from an IDP perspective than I expected him to. But that's defensive backs for you. That's why I never invest highly in them because there's always going to be half a dozen guys that come from nowhere and you're like, where did this guy come? Yeah, I've got Eddie Jackson on my list. I've got Brisker's running mate, Eddie Jackson. Now that the the veteran and the youngster back together, Batman and Robin are back at the back of the Bears defense. I think Eddie Jackson's going to have a good game against, like you said, a Lions team that has been quite friendly to the safety position this year. And I've got Jonathan Owens, last year's 
where the hell did this guy come from over the first six weeks of the season? Two weeks in, everyone's like Googling it. Jonathan, oh, Jonathan. oh, wow, he's dating Simone Biles. And that was like the most interesting thing about him. And he's going out and putting up 12, 15 tackles every week for the Houston Texans. And he faded badly over the second half and then signed with Green Bay and wound up a reserve there. But now with Darnell Savage going on IR, <clears throat> Owens is starting for the Packers. And he hasn't put up the kind of numbers in Green Bay that he did early in the year in Houston last year, but they've been decent. And, you know, I, guys like Owens and Jackson are probably going to be out there on waiver wire for a lot of IDP managers, which, again, is why I tell people you don't have to invest a lot. in. I mean, Derwin James is a great player, but you can fade the top five, top ten defensive backs on draft day in your IDP league and be fine because ten weeks into the season, there are going to be Eddie Jacksons and Jonathan Owens and guys like that available on your waiver wire. Jonathan Owens, just want to touch on that one. Yeah, really nice to see him uh, see him relevant again. Um, I, I just, yeah, didn't expect a lot from him this year. It became apparent it was going to be Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage, but yeah, he's uh, you know he's 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 got his chance, and he's he's he looks like he might be grabbing it with both hands. A lot of his points have come by virtue of big plays, and I think the question there is really, you know, can 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 that continue going forward? I'm I'm not sure, but I, I really hope it does. And he's got the opportunity, which is the main thing. He's playing every down. He's going to be playing every down for the foreseeable. So, yeah, nice call. My quick hitter likes at the DB spot uh, starts with Deron Bland. He saw a, a slight drop off in snap share last last week, but as I said, obviously the Cowboys rested some of their some of their starters after being a thousand points up um, early. Um, and Bland still made an impact. He's got the Panthers this weekend. Uh, Bryce Young's had three games with multiple interceptions, um, and the Panthers allow a ton of tackles to opposition um, cornerbacks. So I think Bland's a pretty, a pretty, a pretty nice start this week. Um, Wadra McCreary is my next guy. I'm not as confident in him as I am in Bland. Uh, obviously, McCreary's missed some time this year, but he's been kind of productive in the games he has played. Five or more tackles in four of the six games he's actually finished. Um, and he's added a couple of sacks, a forced fumble, had his first interception of the year against the Bucks last week. Um, and, you know, we've seen him produce high volumes of tackles before. That was the that was the case with him in 2022. So, and that makes me more inclined to see or to believe what I'm seeing from him this year, although it's only in a small sample size. So, yeah, I quite like McCreary. McCreary's a guy that I'm looking hard at this week. And... Yeah. Uh, in leagues where, because normally if I'm in a league where I have to start a cornerback, I'm going to stream. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed, the last guy I draft in that draw on draft is going to be the cornerback or the two, my last two picks. If you have to start, however many cornerbacks should be, those would be my last however many picks. And then I'll just stream them as the season goes on. You know, you, I like the matchup with Jacksonville. I expect the Jaguars to be angry after what happened last week against the 49ers. And I think McCreary's going to be busy. I think, I think you're going to see a solid tackle day out of him. And Trevor Lawrence has not played great football the last month plus. I think you've got a decent shot at, you know, half a dozen tackles and maybe that interception that is the difference between a good day and a great day. So I, I'm looking hard at it. And he's a guy that's going to be available just about everywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because of that missed time, you know, he's kind of falling off people's radar. But 
they're, they're, they're so volatile, the uh, cornerbacks, even even in the kind of scoring formats that, that try to make them less so. Um, so, yeah, but I like a guy like him who he seems, just seems to be pretty, pretty consistent, five five tackles, um, pretty much a minimum for him each week. In the, uh, in the Kings Classic Butkus division, the IDP draft of the Kings Classic, the defensive scoring is different. I created it. The last I looked, the highest scoring player overall, any position, offense or defense, was a cornerback of all people. It was Kenny Moore. Because I did see that, a tweet on this. Yeah. Yeah, that two pick six game was worth like, I don't, I think he scored like 77 points that week alone. <laughs> so it was a good week if you had him in your, it was a good week if you had him on your roster. It was just a bad week if you had him on your bench. Much like the six week, uh, the six sack Khalil Mack week. Because I think that week he was on a lot of benches. And I know that in Deathmatch, a league that I run, the six sack week for Khalil Mack was worth 97.75 points. And there were a couple different people who tweeted that it was on a, they were on a, the bench. So you left a hundred, literally have to sit there and stare at a hundred points on your bench from one guy. As you're looking at, you know, the four points that your, your edge rusher got because you got a tackle <laughs> and an assist. As I love IDP. I love IDP scoring that's you know, different. I love IDP scoring that's weighted to where the offensive and the defensive guys score similarly. Mm-hmm. And I love IDP scoring that's a little unusual. I don't know. Which I, I play in everything from leagues where it's just vanilla old school IDP. To, like I said, stuff like the Buckus division, where it would probably take me 10, 12 minutes to explain the scoring. And I don't even know if I understand the scoring and I did created it. So, <laughs> but it kind of makes it more interesting, doesn't it? You know, when you've got, uh, you've got, you've got some scoring formats. I wanted that are to do diff- something. I wanted it to yeah. be something that, because, you know, it's an expert, it's an industry league. So all of us know what we're doing. I wanted it to be something none of us had ever done before. Mm-hmm. Where we walk into that draft, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, none of us, not a one of us, have any idea what the hell we're doing. And that is exactly what happened. And no one was sure when the first defensive player was going to be drafted. And no one was sure when that first big IDP run was going to happen. It was great. And the first IDP came off the board with a 13th overall pick, which was fantastic. It was great. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I love the mentality. Yeah, just shake it up and confuse the hell out of everybody. What's what's not to like? I'll have to uh, I'll have to join you next year. It sounds sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> no, it was. Um, it was fantastic. <laughs> um, so look, we're on to the DBs that we don't like this week. Um, who is your your featured fade at the position for week? Uh, it's a guy that I hate to throw out there because he just came back from in- from injury. And his numbers have picked up. He's got 10 total tackles in each of his last two games. But it's Buda Baker of the Arizona Cardinals. I've got him as my 20th ranked defensive back. So, you know, he's a starter. If you're in a league where you're starting a couple defensive backs, I just don't know that he's an especially high-end one. He only has one game this season with six solo tackles in it. So he's getting, whether that's a virtue of, that could just be the scorekeepers in the stadiums that he's playing in as much as he's doing, but he's not getting awarded solo tackles, which is hurting his production. He hasn't made any big plays. Doesn't have any interceptions, doesn't have a forced fumble, doesn't have a fumble recovery. I don't even know. He might have like one or two passes defense. There's just nothing but tackles. 
And they're going up against a Houston, Texas team that is dead last in fantasy points per game allowed to the safety position because C.J. Stroud is a golden god who never does anything wrong for the football. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Ever. Um, Ever. I thought we were going to be far apart on this one when when you uh, when you mentioned Baker's name, but I've got him as my DB thirteen this week, so I don't think we're 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 that far apart at all on this one. Um, I you know I recognise his matchup isn't isn't ideal, and I've I've factored that into his into his ranking. He's dropped something like eleven spots uh, over where I had him, I think last week. Um, but I don't want to drop him too far because he has been consistent, even though. Relatively high number of his tackles have come um, a bit assists, as you pointed out. I just wonder, and this this might be this might be blind optimism on my part. I wonder if he's the kind of guy who could buck that trend here for for safeties who are playing against Houston and and have the kind of game that like a, a Xavier Woods or maybe Minka Fitzpatrick did um, against Houston the oh, other year. He's certainly capable. I mean, Buddha. Yeah. I think Buddha's a better talent than Xavier Woods. I don't know that I would call him a better talent than Buddha. But Buddha Baker is an excellent football player. Where Xavier mm-hmm. Woods is, Xavier Woods is maybe above average. Make a Fitzpatrick elite level safety. Buddha Baker elite sure. level safety. You know, they're making the big bucks. Xavier Woods, his checking account is not quite as robust as Buddha Baker. Not that he's hurting directly. I'll take Xavier Woods' yeah. checking account if he doesn't want it. You can give it to me. Oh, no, uh, same. Florida. We can spit it between the two of us, I think. Yeah, I, I, like I said, <laughs> I, once again, I probably moved to Florida for Xavier Woods money. <laughs> and that's saying something. I I'm going to get so many tweets from angry Floridians <laughs> like, the hell's wrong with Florida, man? <laughs> what do you mean? You what do you mean you're going to? I've just looked at your your Twitter profile, Gary. It's been flooded literally the entire. Okay, all you have to just Google Florida man, and that's all you need to do, and you'll understand what's wrong with Florida. It's frightening, and I'm alligators, man. I'm not living anywhere with giant lizards in the water. Not. Yeah, that that does sound off putting. I, I yeah, it is it is a bit off putting. Um, when I did visit, yeah, Florida, you go I did, outside. I did, looking, did spend a lot outside. of time looking looking at the water looking at the water bodies out there and thinking. Go outside yeah. looking for your dog, and it's just gone because an alligator ate it. I mean, that's messed up. That's not right. <laughs> it's not right. Yeah, you're right. It's not right. <laughs> so I don't have very big dogs. I love it. I have smaller <laughs> dogs. They would be eaten. I, I yeah. like my dog. You gotta get that. Then you have to buy a great big dog, so the alligator doesn't eat your dog. So you're yeah. stuck with a giant dog. You have to clean up after the giant dog. It's just the whole thing just spirals from there. All the things you have to do to avoid your dog being eaten by an alligator. You make you make good points. I, I'm, I'm less likely. I'm less likely to move to Florida than I was an hour ago. That's uh, well. Wasn't that go. the you... whole point of me coming on here was to <laughs> ruin Florida for you? Yeah, absolutely. You've done exactly oh, okay. that. It's been an education. It's been an education. <laughs> I will not move there. And if I do, I'm going to get a big ass dog. That's the that's the moral <laughs> of the story. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, yeah, look for me. I'm I'm losing faith in uh, Gino Stone. Uh, he's my safety fifty or DB seventy three. One behind Javarius Ward and one ahead of Pat Sertan. His his tackle numbers have been pretty poor for what seems like about a month now. Hasn't had a single game with more than four combined tackles um, since like week four. None of that really matters because he's been getting interceptions uh, for fun. He's got like six leads the NFL 
in that uh, in that category. But the reason I got him here is simple. I uh, don't need to go into it in too much detail. Marcus Williams is back, and in, he, and in his first game back, Stone went from being an every down safety to playing like two thirds of the snaps, 66, 66%, 60, 67%. So, um, you know, and as the clear third option behind Williams and Kyle Hamilton, he won't be able to sustain the interception numbers we've seen. In fact, even if he was playing every down, he wouldn't be able to sustain the interception numbers we, we've seen so far. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm cooling on him. He's dropped quite, quite a bit in my rankings, um, and he did so last week. Um, the expectancy that Williams would come back, he will still have a role. Um, we know that the 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 the, the Ravens under uh, Mike McDonald do sometimes like to pedal out three safeties. We saw a bit of that last year with. Um, who was it? It was Hamilton. It was Stone again, and it was Chuck Clark, wasn't it? I think. Um, so yeah, he might still have a role. I just don't think it can be big enough to sustain the kind of production we're seeing. And I think there's invariably going to be a drop off. No, I can't argue that. Even when Stone was racking up interceptions, he was never a defensive back that I would see on the waiver wire when he was available. Be like, oh, I got to get Geno Smith. I just, mm-hmm. I've never been a big fan of chasing those guys who are just almost totally big play reliant for fantasy. Yep. Because then you're either going to get, you're either going to get a smash week and or nothing. And I'm not, those all or nothing guys make me crazy. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Um, so on to the, the quick hitters, the final segment of tonight's show, sadly. Um, any other DBs you don't like for week 11? You know, Xavier McKinney's been hot. I expect that he is going to slow down this week against the Washington Commanders. It's just a bad matchup for safety. And his tackle numbers have been higher than you would usually expect from Xavier McKinney. Uh, same thing for Harrison Smith. It's just a matchup based against the Denver Broncos. They're not a team to give up a ton of points to safeties, and he's competing with Cameron Bynum and Josh Metellus for the tackle opportunities at the safety position because the Vikings were already playing three safeties essentially 100% of the snaps, and now that with the injuries they had a linebacker, I can't imagine that that is going to change at any point in the near future. And Grant Delpit of the Cleveland Browns against the Pittsburgh Steelers, once again, just matchup-based. Like Delpit as a player, <clears throat> hope that I think he got a little nicked up last week. Hope that's not serious. But the Pittsburgh offense is just its not great. The Steelers have been outgained in all nine of their games this season, and yet they're 6-3, and three, which is just bizarre. And they're probably going to be 7-3 and three after this week because they're playing the Browns and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Because again, misery, pain, and disappointment are what goes with being Browns fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I think all three of those guys have, have dropped in my rankings. I'm going to get a quick quick scan through here as as we discuss it. All three, um, Smith in particular, has been kind of under underwhelming lately. Um, had that big week against the Panthers, didn't he? When he had uh, three sacks, a forced fumble, but he's he's kind of followed that up with eleven combined tackles uh in his next game and then since then five tackles per game uh is averaging uh in the five games since that's 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 really poor more it's, it's actually poorer than i than i recalled it being you know for a guy who's always been again like like kevin bayard we we're talking about him a minute ago like same with small always been a guy that has been a virtual lock to come come away with like five interceptions in a season the the lack of production in that department for for smith is is concerning I think it's hard to swallow for those fantasy managers that have that have fallen in love with him over the years. But maybe, maybe, maybe inevitable. 
age, like you say, competition, Metellus and, and Bynum have been on fire at different times this year. It's, it's just not Smith's year. Certainly not his week. Right. Um, so I've got a few names to add to that list um, here. So Tracy Walker is the first one. He's been he's been less involved since since Brian Branch returned. I still think he's startable. Um, he's still in my uh, in my rankings, um, but I wasn't in any hurry to start him before Branch came back, and I'm I'm certainly in no hurry to start him now. Um, the, the situation just just kind of hurts his stock a little bit more for me. Amani Hooker's another one. He's he's been an inconsistent performer this year, and he's he's kind of been matchup dependent any given week. And and this week he he faces a Jags team which allow the lowest tackling efficiency to opposition safety. So that that makes me want to fade him um, this week. Cannot argue with either of those calls. Okay, look. So that that brings us to the the end of this episode, um, Gary. It's been a an absolute pleasure breaking down these rankings with you today, and I'm sure our audience, except for those Floridians, of course, <laughs> have appreciated <laughs> your your insight. Um, we'll we'll have to do this again at some point, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm sure everybody uh, is already following you anyway, uh, but just in case, um, share where they can find you and your abundance of fantasy content you know i generally don't like to try to rattle off all the different outfits i work for because it seems like i always forget one and then i feel bad after so if you can just follow me on twitter at idp sharks you'll see all the stuff i write for oh it's leecher report fantasy sharks football diehards football guys the athletic nbc sports and I think that might be all of them. And if I forgot one, I'm sorry. And Bleach Report, unless I already said them. I'll say them twice. Uh, there must be there must be two of you. I swear. Or maybe a maybe Gary Gary Davenport is a front for like a a, a team of people who just chill. That's what's stuff behind the you. screen. Is a bunch <laughs> of monkeys on typewriters. <laughs> awesome. Uh, again, look. Thanks for taking the time out from your busy schedule. You've been uh, you've been you've been amazing. I know you would be. As usual, I, I tend to loiter. If anyone wants to follow me on uh, on X or Twitter at Jace Abbey, uh, my full set of rankings can be found over at theidpshow.com. Uh, and as, as always, you know, thanks for tuning in. I wish you all the success in your week 11 matchups, and I'll catch you again at the same time next week. Bye for now. Take you away